All right, good morning. Today is week two, lesson two, session two, whatever, of the Creative Bible Intake class that we're doing. Um, and y'all are kind of spread all over today. Goodness, I'm not going to be able to, to talk from all of y'all. Um, so we are, I mentioned last week that this was originally six weeks worth of material that I had that we're condensing into three. So you probably figured that out last week when we didn't get through it. And and I was like rushing, rushing. So I re re revamped a little bit and we're just not gonna be able to go over quite as much as what we originally were planning to, but that's quite all right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take, we're gonna start sort of where we ended last time and with those kind of unique different ways to engage with God's words, not all of them are unique, but just ways to engage with God's word because that's what this this is about. It's about kind of getting outside the box a little bit and finding unique ways to engage with God's word um, other than maybe what you've done in the past or are used to, or maybe if you're brand new to um, Bible intake, Bible study, then um, you find it a little intimidating and hopefully we'll break that down just a little bit today. Okay, so we're going to do that and I promise you that you will probably run across something that you have not tried before, uh, even if you've been doing this forever and ever and ever, because I'm all the time finding things that are um, uh, ways to kind of uh, understand the Word of God, to look at things differently, to study, to, to even to read, just a lot of different ways that maybe I haven't tried before. And so I encourage you to listen with an open mind today. And let's see what God has to say to us, okay, through his word, about his word. Um, this is a little bit of a different class because this isn't your classic. This is not actually a Bible study, so which is kind of weird because we're talking about Bible study, right? So Bible intake, Bible, um, you know, getting the Bible in, in our hearts and minds. And yet this particular class is not particularly a Bible study, although certainly we're going to uh, have a biblical foundation for everything that we talk about, right? So just come at it from a little bit of a, of a, of a unique mindset. Um, last week, we talked about um, the why we study the Word of God, what the Word of God is for. If you missed last week or you just were half asleep, it is recorded. It was sent out, and I think it's on the podcast. That's what Tyler said was going to happen. I'm not sure if it's like open for the public consumption or not. It is. I'm getting a nod. Yes, it is. Okay. So if you want to, you can just kind of revisit that. Um, and I'm not going to rehash it today because we have so much to talk about today. But we talked a lot about the Bible study method. And I use it in quotes because this is just kind of a way to study the Bible. I actually study the Bible. And that is, um, you know, we, we looked at inductive Bible study which a lot of you guys are already familiar with, but we looked at observation, interpretation, application, and we had really, really cool alliteration for all of them. I mean, you know, it took me a long time to get that alliteration right. But um, so if you have those, if you did not uh, write all those down and want it, want to for just completeness sake in your book, um, the handout from last week is up there, as up front. And then um, again, it's on the podcast from last um, 
from last week. So today we're going to look at, we're going to start with this page that looks like this. It's created Bible intake, ways to engage with God's word. I honestly could have done a two-page exercise on just about all of them, but you'll be thankful to know that I did not. Um, and so we're going to kind of dive into some of them. And then I would really love your feedback if in, in, if you have different ways to do any of these things, okay? One of the things we were planning, I was hoping to do was sit down and actually go through the, go through a couple of them. I don't know if we're going to have time for that. Um, but if we get through all three weeks and we don't, then I'm thinking I might come up with just a session some other time where we can sit down and actually practice some of these things because I think it's a really good idea to practice what we're learning. Okay, so go home and practice it on your own, but sometimes it's fun to do it as a group as well. All right, so let's um, let's kind of blast through this. Did anyone try anything new last week? I, I just rattled off the list in the last four minutes of the class, and you were supposed to write one thing down that sounded kind of interesting to you. Did anyone try anything new last week that you'd be willing to share with the class? It's okay if you didn't. All right, I'm getting a lot of quiet. So... I try to write down more after I read. I feel like sometimes I'm in a little bit more rush in my Bible study time. And so like in my head, I observe, interpret. Yeah, yeah. But um, we started studying the book of Exodus and it has like a lot of questions on its own. But like in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm just going to observe, interpret, and apply like on top of what I'm thinking and on top of the question she's already asking. And it was really helpful to actually like write it down. Yeah. I mean, this was just the passage from Exodus 2 about Moses being put in the river by his mom and his sister watching and Pharaoh's daughter seeing him. Yeah. So it was just like a historical story that was kind of like, how does this really apply to me when you're just reading like what seems like just a historical narrative? But it was it was helpful to actually write it down it makes you think harder yeah well what application did you come up with what application did you come up with i think the main application i came up with is that god does things it made me think of the verse from ephesians three twenty in ways that we could not ask for a man yes yes um, i think moses's mother never would have imagined if she put him in that river that she would give him back to nurse him and care for him till he was possibly you know, historic. Two, three, four. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think about a lot of situations in my current life right now and in lives of some good friends and family that seem as bleak as mothers, Moses's mother probably felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and God can do today things that we couldn't have. Yeah, I love that. Um I'm, I'm going to repeat just a minute just because I don't know how much you're picking up on this if anybody wants it. But um, so the just the kind of newness of writing things out is what Trish was talking about. And and I think it's really cool that when you start doing that, you start seeing applications that you might not have otherwise seen. Even just I know we kind of know this, you know, oh, it's all part of God's plan, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually writing this out, this particular point in history, this decision that was made by this mother and what happened in the course of all of redemptive history. And, you know, what just what a beauty seeing God's hand in the small stories, quote unquote, of the Old Testament 
and seeing how if he is there, if he is, you know, if he is over all of that, if he is, you know, the author of all of that, how much more so is he the author of my story as well? Um, so I love that. I love that. So that's good. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. All right. So let's remember the background. Um, we went over 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 last week. Let's just reread it really quickly. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We've talked about training at Connect and talked about how spiritual disciplines are basically how we are training ourselves in righteousness and in Christ-likeness. And Bible intake is certainly one and arguably the most important of the spiritual disciplines because it is how God speaks to us and all of these things that are um, important from the word. Hebrews 4.12 says the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrows, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I could spend an entire hour talking about that one verse. Honestly, think about that verse. One of the things we're going to be talking about and one of the techniques is going to lend itself really well to that verse. All right. So, I mean, just, just, just think about the imagery of that verse. I mean, it's unbelievable. All right. Psalm 119, 105. Your word, of course, is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's another one we can use on, um, very well to kind of, uh, it's a very visual idea of what God's word actually is to us. Okay. And back then, is their paths were a lot darker than ours are now, right? And just, it is, it's, I mean, like physically, they had to have that lamp. They had to have that light or they were not going to know where they were going. I mean, they got the moon just like we do. But it uh, seems like, it seems, have you ever been out in the, this sidetrack, sorry. Have you ever been so far in the country that there's no like city lights, there's nothing, there's no light and how much more dark it is, how much darker it is outside? Well, that's what they were dealing with. Okay, Joshua 1, 8, of course, the book of the law. I shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Proverbs 35, every word of God proves true. He is the shield to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 1, 2, his delight is in the Lord and on the law he meditates on day and night. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your heart. Okay, so that's just a, just a blast of scripture. I think most of those are probably in that reading plan that you have from last week um, to meditate on. And it's just a quick reminder of why we are even here, why we are supposed to even engage in God's word. So let's talk quickly about these ways. The first one, and I've put them on this list, not numbered, but with check marks or with a little box, check box. So when you have practiced it, when you have done it, you can check it off. I love checklists. It's like my thing. I'll put things on a checklist that I've already done just so I can check it off. I mean, that's my toxic trait, I guess, but I love checklists. Okay, so the first one is one that is not, not, is one that we all, we all know and it's not particularly creative, um, but it's just to read the Bible, okay? We talked last week about reading versus studying, okay? And we'll study, how important study is, but then there's something, there's some power to reading. 
reading the Bible. If you have never read the Bible chronologically, I'm going to recommend that you do that. Not as a, not, not for deep study, but just to read the narrative from beginning to end. Okay. Take as much time as it needs. I don't like that most of the chronological or most of the, you know, Bible reading things are one year. It may take you longer than a year because that may not be your only Bible intake, right? You might be in the middle of a Bible study from here at Cross Point and you might be teaching a study. Uh, but you you can still have this extra this reading time. So Bible reading time, um, the the Bible re- I put on the back of your handout, and you and last week it was on a little half page, but it's the same QR code. I put it, I put it kind of way back here at the bottom, so you can take notes if you needed to. But it's right here, and it has a bunch of resources on it, and has a couple of chronological reading Bibles. One, the one I use is called Day by Day. It's CSB, Christian Standard, is the, is the version. I find it very easy to read, okay? Um, and so when I'm actually just doing reading, and honestly, um, it gives you day one, day two, day three. I, I don't even follow that. I'm, I'm, I, I need to give you guys permission. You do not have to follow day one. I mean, you know, because then you get to day six and you skip day four and you're all stressed out. All right, just just take the time. Maybe it's a timer. Okay, I've done this before. I've taught this before, and people really buck at a timer idea. You'd be surprised at how much people buck at an idea. Oh, you put a timer on the Word of God. Well, maybe do. Maybe you put a 10-minute timer on it, and that way you know I am only spending 10 minutes. My to-do list can wait. My, my, you know, my the dinner can wait. Whatever it is can wait. I'm spending 10 minutes, and I'm going to fully engage in God's Word. I'm not going to worry about everything else. I'm going to stick the kids on a Netflix video. I'm not going to stress about that. I'm going to spend 10 minutes in the Word of God. I'm going to set a timer, and then I'm going to read all I can in those 10 minutes. And if you don't get through day 38, that's okay because you could do it again tomorrow. And just there's something to just knowing that, that it's okay and I'm currently giving you permission that you don't have to follow the plan exactly in order to get God's word in your heart and mind, okay? So read the Bible. Um, think of the last time you sat down. You don't have to share with the class, but think of the last time you sat down to read the Bible just to read it, like you would sit down with a novel, like you would sit down with a book, not to study it, not for a Bible study, not for, not to teach something, not to prepare something, but just to read it, just to read the Word of God. Think about the last time that you did that, and it might have been this morning. It might have been a month ago. You might never have done this habit because you only read specifically what you're preparing for. Okay, but think about it and read. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is listening. So the original way the word of God was distributed was obviously through the spoken word, right? Luke eleven twenty eight says, blessed rather are those. Oh, by the way, you have notes further on down if you don't have room to write everything on, because some of these, t- these things I'm going to say a, a little bit about. So there's room to write in your notes section if you want, um, if you want to. If not, just listen. <sighs> You know what I did there? But I'm not the Word of God. So anyway, all right, that wasn't a good example. All right, listening, uh, 11, uh, Luke eleven twenty eight. but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it, Romans 8, 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ, 1 Timothy 4, 13. 
until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Um, bottom line is it's just another way to get the word of God in is, is by listening. Um, there's a couple of things I want to share about listening, and then I'll give you some um, resources. They're all on that resource, the resource page. But when you're listening, there's true hearing. When you're listening and you're hearing the word of God, it involves your ears with the listening, but also your heart. So has anybody heard the difference between active listening and passive listening? Okay, so there are two distinct uh, approaches to how we engage and process information. Okay, so active listening, it involves actively engaging with, with the speaker or the audio content. It means giving your full attention to what is being said, making it a deliberate effort to understand and process the information. Okay, that's the engagement portion of active listening. The communication portion of, and this is all kind of a little bit more kind of scientific, not necessarily biblical, but I think it really applies. The communication aspect of active listening, <coughs> sorry, it includes, often includes nonverbal cues, such as nodding and eye contact and providing verbal feedback when asked to show you're actively participating in a conversation, okay? It's, it's, it's being involved with the conversation or with the content. The intent of it, the primary intent of active listening is to understand, learn, and, and uh, empathize with the speaker, potentially. It is uh, a more deliberate and intentional form of listening. It's often used in situations where effective communication and comprehension are essential. Okay. And then the benefits are it can lead to a better understanding, improved communication, stronger interpersonal relationships when it's like horizontal. Um, it allows for exchange of ideas, emotions, information when it's horizontal. When it's vertical, the first part of it, a better understanding is the key when we're active listening. Passive listening, the engagement is, as the name suggests, there's minimal engagement or effort on the listener's part. It's usually audio content that's in the background while you're performing other tasks or simply letting the sounds or words kind of wash over you. The communication part of it, it lacks any active communication and feedback. Um, the listener may not provide any cues to the speaker or audio source about their level of engagement. It's what I strongly discourage when you're listening to someone in real life. Honestly. Honestly, when Brad is, is, is preaching a sermon, he, you know, it, it, you can tell when someone is active listening versus passive listening. And if you are, have chosen to sit and listen to someone and it's in real life person, this is just a complete side note, try to be an active listener. Okay, so the communication aspect, um, uh, what, what passive listening, the intent of passive listening is often to just have background noise or entertainment, not necessarily to gain a deep understanding of the content. It is relaxed and more focused and less focused compared to active listening. And the benefits of passive listening, because there are some, it's a form of relaxation, entertainment, as I mentioned. It can be used for unwinding, for enjoying music, having ambient noise. Um, so there are some benefits to passive listening. Active listening, in summary, involves intentional, engaged efforts to understand and communicate with the speaker or understand what you are trying 
to, uh, if it's not, if there's not a speaker, to understand and connect with what you're listening to, the audio component you're listening to. While passive listening is relaxed and involves minimal minimal, um, real interaction or thought, okay? And really the choice between the two depends on your goals. So when we're listening to the word of God, honestly, we can do it both ways. It doesn't hurt us to have it passively in the background. I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything at all. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to hear the word of God, right? That's a good thing. But just like my biochemistry, um, you know, textbook in college, my organic chemistry textbook in college, in medical school, my anatomy textbook in medical school, whatever it was, whatever your textbook was, if you just passively read or listen to it, you're not going to learn it. All right. So does it hurt to have a podcast on organic chemistry, organic chemistry in the background? If you're trying to learn it, does it hurt? No. Are you going to learn organic chemistry by listening to someone talk about it? Probably not. Probably not. So depending on your goals, think about that. And I encourage you to involve yourself in active listening of the word of God. Okay. So um, as, as, a, as a challenge for you, I want you to choose a passage. Well, I'm going to give you three passages. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to choose one and go to one of the apps I'm about to mention and then posture your heart to hear it by placing weight on the words you're about to hear as God's words to you. So if God were sitting in the room with you speaking, you would not be passively listening to him. So imagine he is speaking directly to you because he is, he is. So he is the king of the universe, the creator of all things, and he has chosen to communicate with you through his word. So go into when you're listening with that idea. Listen expectantly and with anticipation that you will hear from him, no matter what you're listening to. And then pray before you even get started and ask for God to give you ears to hear what he has to say to you. Because it can be a passage that we've all read a hundred times, like Trisha was talking about in Exodus, but he can say something new to you every time you read it or listen to it. So listen, so just practically speaking, some um, apps that I like, and you guys are more than welcome to share any that you like, and the ones that are in here, there's a version app. Um, these are all free. There's an ESV.org and the ESV.org, there's an app for that and it has listening. There's only a couple of, of options for listeners on that. Actually, I got on the, this, when I was prepping for this this week, I got on the ESV and Kristen Getty, you know, the singer girl, she's one of the readers now. She like reads it in her like accent. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, there's only two readers right now, but I think they're coming up with, with more. Um, there is the dwell app. I mentioned that last week. I lo- that's one I use. I love it. You do have to pay for it. It's like $30 for a year, $29 for a year. It's worth it to me because I love the plans, the reading plans. I love the prompts. I love the, I love the, the variety of readers. Um, but again, there are other obviously free, um, options. Um, there, there's Bible gateway, just something as simple as biblegateway.com. Any, and in any of the Bible uh, apps, typically it has a little microphone thing, a little, not a microphone, a speaker thing. You hit the speaker and it'll read to you whatever you've got pulled up. 
So if you have, you know, Romans 8 pulled up, you hit the speaker and it'll read it to you on your computer, for example. Okay, I don't know if it does it on the apps, probably does. And then there's this other really cool audio uh, app that someone just, just told me about. And most of you are not going to be interested at all in this, but I thought I would share for the young people in the group. It's called Streetlights Audio. And it's, and it's free. And it's this, uh, this, this man named Esteban who figured out in his um, inner city church culture that, that nobody, people weren't listening when the word is being read. And so what he did was he basically, it's like a dramatic reading to hip hop music. So, and, and he had a fantastic return on it. And, and I've been listening to a little bit of it. It's very interesting. It's not going to be for everybody because there is a lot of background noise. So it might be distracting. But to the younger generation, if you teach young people, to the younger generation that kind of need that multi, need to be kind of stimulated from all over the place. Um, it, it, I thought it was kind of cool. Somebody shared it with me and it's completely free and you, it's on the, um, it's called Streetlights Audio. Okay. So anyway, so there's, there's a, some options for listening. All right. Let's move on quickly. Woo. That was only number two. Some of these won't be long. Number three is translations. Okay. Reading different translations. This kind of falls into with reading, but this is something that not all of us do. And I think it's a good idea. Oh, I didn't give you my three, the three things to listen to. Let me, are we ready? Let's go back. Three passages to listen to. Psalm, to listen to expectantly. Psalm 18, John 1, and Philippians 2. So just listen to those three chapters with those, um, with those previous instructions. <laughs> I'm giving you all this homework, you know. Um, but if you want to practice, it's a good thing to practice. Okay, translations. So translations, when, when obviously when modern translators translated the Bible, there is a balance between the original language and readability in your own language. Okay, balance between faithfulness in the, to the original language. So we want to be faithful to the original language it was written in, right? Hebrew or Greek. And, but we also have to be able to read it in our language because we don't read Hebrew and Greek. Right? I don't. So, Aramaic either. I don't read those languages. So, um, there is, there, so there's, it's a little bit of a challenge. So, there's several different kinds of translations, and you, we just all need to be aware. This is super, super big picture, but you need to kind of be aware of the types of translations that are available and examples of each. There are word for word translations, and this is oftentimes called formal equivalents. And this imitates the original language more closely. Examples of this are the King James, New American Standard, the New King James, and the ESV. The ones that are more accurate and, and generally speaking from a historical, historically uh, through the, the test of time is the New American Standard and the ESV. A lot of people still use the King James. I know a couple of people in this church that will not let it go. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But over time, it has proven to be maybe not quite as, as, as accurate as the um, ESV or New American Standard. And that's why we use ESV here. Okay. ESV is a great one for that. So that's word for word, formal equivalence. And then there's thought for thought. And this is sometimes called dynamic equivalence or functional equivalence. You'll see it called both. And this really is a focus on conveying the meaning, the intended meaning 
from the author of the, of, you know, of the original writing. Okay, examples of this are um, the NET, the NLT, New Living Translation, and the uh, NIRV, okay, that's the New International Reader's Version. Um, NET is New English Translation. Ah, I can't remember what New NET is. I don't read that one. I'm sorry? In NIRV. So I'm going to come back to that one in a minute. The one that's the most accurate of those three, if we're looking for accuracy, is NLT, the New Living Translation, not to be confused with TLB, the Living Bible. So I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So there's the New Living Translation and the Living Bible. Those are completely different. And we need to know that, right? So the Living, the New Living Translation is a thought for thought. Bible translation that is, that is, it's, it's shown to be, um, you know, pretty, 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 pretty good, pretty accurate. All right. So the, and then there's this balance between the two. So there's something that's kind of in the middle. That's optimal equivalence is what we call this kind. This is a moderate. So we've got the word for word. We've got thought for thought. And then we have an, a kind of in between. That is an optimal equivalence. And this is an attempt to provide both accuracy in the original Hebrew and Greek text and clarity in contemporary English, right? We've already talked about that's not real easy, but this is an attempt for that. And this includes the CSB, which is a relatively new translation. I personally really like Christian Standard Bible, CSB. It also includes the NIV and the NRSV, okay? Now, the NIV and CSB are, uh, and I put CBS on my notes. <laughs> Hope I didn't put that on the, on the thing. Not CBS, CSB. Um, but the, the, um, the, the ones that are, are kind of known to be more kind of, we would, we would recommend them more, would be the CSB. And then to a little bit lesser extent, the NIV. But a lot of people read the NIV. A lot of people do. Okay, and that's okay. So then there's the paraphrase Bible. So we've got three. We've got word for word. We've got thought for thought. We've got moderate. And then we have a paraphrase version of the Bible, which I personally do not recommend that we read. I just, I, I, I don't. And I'll tell you why in a minute. This puts scripture in a very interpretive. It's, 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 it's highly interpretive. Okay, from the translator. And it is a very contemporary language. And this includes the Living Bible, not New Living um, Translation, but the Living Bible and the Message Bible. Okay. And here's why I don't necessarily recommend those. I don't recommend them because we now have versions of the Bible. When all you had was the message versus King James and you're brand new to Bible reading, it's going to be a little hard, right, to read King James if you're brand spanking new to Bible reading. I mean, it's hard for me anyway. But we now have versions that are very readable, like the CSB, even the NIV, that are much more um, accurate, much more um, faithful to the original language, even though they're not word for word, okay? So I'm just letting you know, though, that those are all out there. So which one do you read when, right? Oh, 
All right, most of us probably have ESVs because that's what Brad preaches out of, and that's usually you own and you read what what the pastor preaches out of because that way you stay kind of, you know, you know what's going on, same as what's on the screen, okay? Um, I don't know what other versions you read. I personally read ESV primarily. I read CSB, and I read New American Standard. But when you're reading large chunks, large swaths, of scripture, like we talked about, like we're reading the Bible all the way through. One that's a little more understandable is probably the one I would choose, the CSB. That's why my um, day-to-day, by the day-by-day um, chronological Bible is CSB. That's the one I chose for that. Um, NIV even is good for that as well. The, for If you're doing close study, the ESV is your best option or the New American Standard. And then here's where that NIRV comes in. If you're, if you've got someone who's a brand new reader or they are English as their second language, right? The NIRV might be a good option. It's the, it's basically new international version, but it's a reader's edition. So it's more, some more basic English. This is, if you were, if you went to, um, Christian school, you read from the adventure Bible. Right? That's what we had, the Adventure Bible at Calvary. That's what that is. It's the NIRV. Okay. Okay. So, translations. Read in multiple translations. Let's keep moving. Number four. What, re- what version do you guys like? Any version I did not mention that you read out of? No? Okay. I don't want to. Okay. So, the next one is, we've already talked just a teeny bit about this, and this is writing out verses. So, write it out. All right, the act of writing things out by hand to aid in memory retention is known as generation effect or production effect in cognitive psychology. The effect suggests that actively producing information, such as writing or even saying it out loud, enhances your memory compared to passively receiving the information. Several studies have explored this phenomenon. I'm not going to go into those. You're welcome. Writing out scripture, sometimes referred to as... Scripture writing. Isn't that clever? Um, it can have several spiritual growth advantages. Um, obviously, deepen your understanding and connection. But um, here's some of the benefits, the key benefits. It can cause you to have focused reflection. Um, it requires you to slow down and focus on each word, phrase, or verse. And the deliberate and careful reflection allows for a deeper understanding of the text. It just does. When you slow down, you understand it better. Internalization of the word, the act of writing engages multiple senses, right? You're, you're, you, it, it involves multiple senses. And so you're able to get the words and concepts better. It helps you to memorize and retain. Um, it allows it to become part of your thought processes and decision making more fully, which is, one, which is the goal, right? To become doers of the word. Um, personal connection. As you write out the scripture, you may find personal connections to the verses. You can see yourselves in the verses. It's, that is what we call application, right? Um, spiritual meditation. Meditation is something we're going to talk about in a minute, but it can be a form of meditation. We'll talk about that in just a minute, though. Uh, it increases your concentration because you have to focus, obviously. And it improves your biblical knowledge. The act of writing encourages you to engage with a wide range of scriptures, enhancing the knowledge of the Bible and its themes. It can provide encouragement and comfort. This is something that we don't think about a lot. But during challenging times, writing out encouraging or comforting scriptures can provide solace and strength in your face. Just writing them out 
and putting them around and knowing that you see them in your own hand can provide encouragement. Creativity and artistic expression. This is another one we'll talk about in just a minute, but you can write it down in creative ways, right? Um, some of you more creative than others, and that's okay. And then community sharing, sometimes sharing written reflections or insights with the community of believers, such as a Bible study group or a small group or getting together with coffee. Um, it encourages discussion. And writing out scripture is a, is a really cool thing to do with that. Um, if you're ever with a group of three, four women or just two, and you go to Midtown and sit in one of those little, little rooms, um, find a passage of scripture, a verse or two, write it out, everybody individually, and then share your reflections about it after you've written it out most likely they're all going to be a little bit different and it's going to be super encouraging. Okay. There is a there is a new um a new type of journal that I just ran across when I was prepping for this. I have not actually seen it personally. You know, I told you last week there was the ESV scripture journals which they have the 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 uh, scripture on one side and a blank page on the other. I don't have mine with me right here. But um, it's what I use for sermon notes and things like that. But then there's a new kind of, it's called journables. I put it in there and it's basically where you write out scripture. It's basically, it's a guided way to write out scripture. Um, so if you want to check, check that out, they've, they've got them on Amazon. All right, number five, pray through scripture. Now, this is where your next little exercise is going to be because this particular one is a way to engage with Scripture. It also obviously includes prayer, which is another of our spiritual disciplines. Um, and this is something that is we know that we should be doing and oftentimes um, don't. And this is a way to speak to God back to what He has spoken to us. And so praying through scripture. So what I've done is I added a little short, I'm not, we're not gonna go through it here, but a little short little, it's not really a study, but it's just reading a couple of verses, four verses, answering a few questions about those verses to kind of get us in a mindset for praying scripture. And then I want to, and then I want to go through the steps and have you write down these steps that I think are really, we want to break it down very, very, in just really simple, a simple way. Uh, because there's no real magic to it. It's not something that's really difficult. The first thing you do before you even get started is just choose your passage, choose your scripture. Maybe it's something that you have already, you're already studying. Maybe it is off the scripture reading plan, I, whatever it might be. That's the first thing you're going to do. Okay. Then step one is going to be you're going, and this, uh, this is interesting because this, this is why I chose this to, for you to write out because it involves several of the methods, several of the things. Um, and obviously you can skip all the way down to the last, to the step six if you want, but this is the order I'd go in. Understand the context of the scripture you've chosen. So understanding the context is really important before you pray because it helps you to gain a better understanding of what the verse is and how it applies to you. The historical, cultural, literary context can provide important insights to the meaning of the scripture. Um, so we can pray it, uh, you know, appropriately. Although there's, you know, I say this loosely because I understand that um, sometimes this can take a little bit of time. But practically speaking, what this means for this particular exercise is just reading more than what you've chosen. Read the rest of the, the chapter. If it's a short book, maybe read the whole book. I don't know. Just read a little bit more than what you've chosen. 
the surrounding verses. Get a good idea of what's happening. Step two, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to apply the verse. You're going to pray before you pray. This is quick. Just allow the Holy Spirit to apply the passage to your own circumstances. Brief prayer. Okay. Step number three, you're going to meditate on the passage, allowing the words to sink in deeply and, con- and, and just consider it. Again, we're going to talk about meditation in a minute, but or maybe not today. But, um, but meditate and allow the words to sink in. And then you want to pray the scripture. You want to speak the words out loud or silently. You can write your prayers. Um, allow the words to just flow from your heart, to come from your heart. When praying the scripture, you can either recite the passage, you can focus on specific verses or even specific words. You can choose to paraphrase the scripture in your own word, which is another one of our techniques. Um, you can express your own thoughts and feelings or concerns to God using the words. Um, so basically, it's using that as a springboard for your prayer. And then step five is express your gratitude to God for his word. Just praise him for who he is, what he's done, and for speaking through you, to you through his word. Step six, obviously this is optional. These are just ideas. Incorporate a creative element into your prayer time. Drawing, painting, writing things out, verse mapping. Let this exercise help you solidify your understanding. There's no right or wrong. Step seven is to repeat, rinse and repeat, basically, with with other things. Basically, you can skip right down to that step four, I think it is, where you start praying it. That's totally fine. But if you have, and this whole process can be a 10, 15 minute process, honestly. It does not have to be super in depth to do this exercise, but this exercise will help you to understand how you can use the word to, um, to communicate back to God. Okay. Um, all right. Let's do a couple more. Number six, meditation. Meditation, we mentioned this last week. It is mind filling, not mind emptying. The world has stolen the word meditation and in Eastern religions have stolen the word meditation. And we now think of it as being a bad thing, a thing that we should not be doing. But uh, indeed, it is important that um, that we contemplate, consider is another word for this. Meditate on the word of God. Psalm 1, th- 1, 1 through 3, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the feet of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On the law he meditates day and night. Right? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I'm going to read a few. I'm going to just, just give you a few more references to read on this. And, and because of time, we won't read them out loud. But Joshua 1 8, Psalm 119, 97 through 99, Psalm 119, 148. So, meditation as understood in a biblical context is a discipline that goes beyond just simply, simple reflection or mindfulness. It is a deliberate, contemplative engagement with the Word of God. Okay, Psalm 1 that I just read gives us a blueprint. So let's roll through this super quick. Number one, the foundation of meditation is God's word. 
in Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law and the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. True meditation begins with delighting in the word of God. We meditate on what we value and cherish. We think about what we value and cherish. Therefore, our first step is to cultivate a love for Scripture. So number two, the practice of meditation is day and night, all the time, right? That's Psalm 2, on his law, he meditates day and night. It's not sporadic, but continual. It should permeate our daily lives from the moment we wake up till we lay down. Constant medication keeps our hearts and minds focused on God's truth. So number three, the fruit of meditation, and I didn't put these in the like a little list for you, but the, three, the fruit of meditation is spiritual growth, right? You become like a tree planted in the streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. It doesn't wither. You prosper, and that prosper is not a worldly prospering. All right, that is a growing in Christ-likeness. That is becoming more like Him. That is understanding Him more. And that is how we become that tree that is planted with those roots. So we're rooted and built up in Christ. That was what Connect was all about. How we become rooted. The outcome of meditating on God's Word is spiritual, is spiritual growth. It nourishes our souls. Okay, in, ver- in Psalm uh, the number four is the contrast, wicked versus righteous. Psalm 1, 4 through 6 talks about that. Um, and it underscores the contrast between those who meditate and those who do not. So biblical meditation is a practice that is rooted in the love of God's word. And it shapes our hearts and minds is the bottom line with that. And, and as believers, we should follow this example and we should meditate on him. Number seven. Create mental pictures. This one's kind of odd. This one uses all your senses. Think through using all your senses. Smell, sound, see, taste, feel, right? Put yourself in the story. Here is an example of how to do this. And this is the last one we're going to do today. Obviously, I didn't get through them all today again, but here we are. That's okay. Here's an example of how we do this. Look around when you're reading. Put yourself in the story. What is happening? Where are you? Think about the sensory experiences during that time. What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? Really use your imagination here. We are adults and we don't use our imaginations like we should. Our kids are great at this. Put yourself in the story. Gain a sense of who the people are in your story. Why are they here? What are they doing? What does that tell you about them? Okay, remember to ground your imaginings in the text. Don't go so far off base, right? But you can explore it a little bit. It takes practice. Dialogue with the characters in your mind. What are those around saying to me, to each other? What do I say to them? Notice what's going on inside of you. Ask yourself how you're feeling as you watch the scene before you. Are you happy, joyful, sorrowful, peaceful, confused, scared, full of love? Two examples to think through. One is nativity, but the one, really the one I want to think of is the story of David and Goliath. So I want you to think through that story. We talked about a little bit last week about who we are in that story, but think through that story using this method of Bible study. Okay, it's found in 1 Samuel 17. Um, Is that right? 
Ooh, did I write that down right? Okay, good. So the setting, it takes place in the valley of Elah where the Israelite army is facing the Philistine army. Goliath is, is, you know, we know who he is. He's giant. So here's, here's what you need to do. Think through Goliath, okay? Describe Goliath in your mind. Who is he? He's over nine feet tall. He's wearing heavy armor. He's carrying a massive spear. He's intimidating. Think about Goliath. Then think about David. Paint a picture in your mind of David, a shepherd boy coming to the battlefield with a sling and rocks and no armor because it was too big for him. Think about the valley. It was an open valley and there were two enemies on either side of the valley. Right? Think about the challenge, the tension as Goliath challenges the Israelites, mocking them, taunting them day after day after day. Think about David, his feelings, his faith, his fear. As he faces Goliath, the battle, the actual moment that David hit that giant with a rock in his forehead. Think about the reactions of both armies. What happened? What was the impact of that on those people at that moment? And then, of course, think about the symbolism and what you can learn from it. Think about divine providence, right? God's providential hand was evident all through David's story. Think about God's chosen instruments, how he chose David, right? The most unlikely. Think about faith and obedience and how David could have chosen, he could have chosen not to face that battle. Think about grace alone and how it was only the grace of God that allowed that stone to hit that giant and fail him. Think about the God's glory that was ultimately revealed in that and how God's triumph is attributed to God's intervention. David's triumph is attributed to God's intervention, but it's clear that the, day, the victory is not due to David's strength, but God's faithfulness. And then the covenant faithfulness from there Think about that, God's covenant promises to Israel to, to protect and deliver, and then his promises to us and redemption and deliverance. Think about that, the defeat of Goliath by David. It's a type, it's a foreshadowing of Christ. We talked about that yesterday. Christ's ultimate victory over sin, death, and the grave. And that's what that story, that little story, that one little story in the Old Testament just by thinking through it, putting yourself in it, think about that and let that, in that exercise, encourage your soul. Okay, I could have taken a whole hour just on that one point, honestly, that one story. I love that story. All right, there's a few more. We'll do them next week. Um, and I will revamp once again. <laughs> but um, but, it's, but it's, it's good to think through these things. Try something new this week. Try something new. Set a timer if you need to and try something new. And let me know if you have any questions. I know it's 10 o'clock, so we have to go. But if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. You can come up and ask me.